Hi there. Y'all doing good this morning? Welcome to Journey Church, especially if you're our guest, maybe around here for the first time. We're delighted and privileged to be with you today. Hope today is meaningful and real lasting for you. Not just an event that you come to, but that this is about God doing something in your heart and in your soul. I'm going to ask you to pray, if you would please, for a member of our staff, Michelle Oakland. She's our executive pastor's wife, uh, John. Uh, Michelle is John's wife, and Michelle pastors in our biblical discipleship department around here. And if you would pray tomorrow, please, specifically, Michelle has to have some surgery tomorrow and some related testing around that surgery. And so uh, just ask that you pray about all of that and just pray for a good outcome, if you would, please. And as soon as we know more, so will you. We'll keep you in the loop. But just pray tomorrow for Michelle and John. Uh, Michelle and John both mean the world to us around here. And so lift them up to the Lord, please. If you knew, if you knew that you had just one month to live, how would you live differently than you are right now? Think about that. If you knew you had just one month to live, how would you live differently than you are right now? Two weeks ago, we launched this series by saying, if we knew we had just one month to live, we'd want to live much more passionately than we are right now. None of this dead-like living stuff. We'd want to be all about carpe diem, seizing every single day. And I hope you've been about that. hope you've been all about a life of passion. And then last week, We said, if we knew we had just one month to live, we'd want to love more completely than we are right now. And I hope you made lots of phone calls to lots of people this past week, telling them how much you love them, telling them how much they mean to you as you seek to love more completely. And this week, we're going to talk about learning humbly. Because see, I'm convinced if we knew we had just one month to live, if we had just 30 rolls on that calendar right there, 30 changing of the days on that kind of calendar, that we would want to learn very humbly what our specific purpose for living is, and then we'd go and do that very thing as quickly as we possibly could. We'd be all about it. Because see, God did not put any of us on planet Earth to just be consumers. Sometimes that feels like all we are, but that's not why God put us here. God did not just put us here to consume food and consume oxygen and consume the things we buy and consume space on planet Earth, right? Rather, God put us here to be givers, see? God put us here to contribute something. God made you for the purpose, every single one of you, for the purpose of making a difference with your one and only life. If you browse the self-help section of a bookstore, though, you wouldn't know that life was all about giving and life was all about making a difference, would you? Books with titles like these are true, by the way. It is all about you, is a book I saw. It is all about you. I disagree. How about this one? Get a life that doesn't suck. (laughs) I think people are covering up the cover as they take that one to the register to pay for it. My life doesn't suck. Or how about this one? Get the life you want, right? Books with titles like that line the shelves, and they actually entice us to believe that life is all about us. It's all about us squeezing and getting the most out of this life. And while that all sounds pretty good, who doesn't want to get the most out of this life? God actually made us for a different purpose. He made us for the purpose of adding to life on earth, not just taking from life on earth. See, God made us, every single person walking the planet, for the immense task and the immense responsibility of actually giving back. We, every person on the planet, was made to serve. That's why God put us here. 
The Bible speaks loudly and clearly to this. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. The Bible says this, for we are God's masterpiece. Think about that. I'll bet this week, a lot of people told you that you weren't a masterpiece. Maybe they didn't say it that directly. But I'll bet a lot of people told you stuff this week that led you to believe that you are not a masterpiece. But look at what the Bible says. Look at what God says about you. It's true. For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now those good things that the Bible speaks of is the service that we do for God and for other people. Our doing good and our serving, it isn't like an afterthought in God's creation. It's actually why we're here. God didn't create all these people and then go, oh gosh, now what are they gonna do? Nothing like that. Rather, he purposed us to serve him. That's why he put us on the planet. The good things we do, the service that we perform here on the planet, God had those in mind. This will blow your mind for us before we were even born, before we were even conceived, as a matter of fact. Look at Jeremiah 1.5. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. That'll blow your mind. You were in the heart of mind and mind of God before you were formed in your mother's womb, every single one of you. Before you were born, God says, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God told Jeremiah that he had chosen him before he was even born to be a prophet to the nations. God had special work in mind for Jeremiah, just like he has special work in mind for you, every single one of you. A work that God purposed for you before you were conceived, a work that God purposed for you before you were even born. That will blow your mind. And see, God saves us even for the purpose of serving him. That's why he saves us. Now be real careful with this one if you would please. There's a real common belief that swirls around out there that leads us to believe that our service to God is what saves us. But that is not at all the case. God saves us by his grace and by his grace alone, not by anything, anything we do. We are saved for service to God, not by service to God. It's Jesus Christ who gave up his life as the purchase price for our salvation. Get that. Jesus Christ gave up his life as the purchase price for our salvation. And in light of such a gift, the Bible challenges us this way. Look at Romans 12.1. Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, our service to God, it never comes from a place of guilt or fear or even from a place of duty or obligation. Our service to God rather comes from a deep and incredible sense of gratitude for all that God has done for us. We owe God our very lives, see. Think about it. He's forgiven our past. He set us free from the bonds of sin and shame and guilt. He set us free to live a life of purpose that is so much bigger than ourselves. He gives us immense and lasting meaning to this life. And then to top it all off, he promises us a future that is absolutely secure in him. No matter what the stock market is doing, God promises a future that is absolutely secure in him. How can we do anything but serve him? 
There's a great story in the book of Matthew. The Bible records for us the account of the day when Jesus went to Peter's house, and here's what unfolded there, Matthew 8, 14 and 15. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with the high fever. She was not well. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her, then she got up and prepared a meal for him. It's absolutely incredible to me. She is so sick that she's laid out in bed. Jesus simply walks in and touches her hand, And the very next thing she does is springs up out of that bed and gets about serving him. That is our example. That is our hero. That's why Jesus saves us in the first place. So we can be all about serving him by serving people. Jesus did not save us just so that we could sit around on our rumps and wait for him to come back and take us to heaven. We've been blessed, see, to be a blessing to others. We've been blessed to be a blessing to others. Now, the truth is that God could absolutely take us to heaven the moment we step across the line of faith in his son, Jesus, right? right? He could just do it. We ask Jesus into our lives and bam, he could take us to heaven. But notice, he doesn't do that. And his not doing that should speak volumes to us about our lives being all about the purposeful fulfillment of what God has invited us to do. And that is to serve him. We were made to serve God. That's why we're here. And I'm convinced, I'm convicted, that if we found out we had just one month to live, that we would want to learn humbly what and where our serving sweet spot is and get right to it. Because we only got 30 days left. That term sweet spot, you've all heard it. That term originated in sporting equipment, right? Things like golf clubs and tennis rackets and baseball bats, and even the ever-popular game of cricket and the cricket bat, they all have a... You all play cricket, don't you? Yes, all of you, just this week, as a matter of fact. They all have a sweet spot, don't they? You know what the sweet spot is. It's that place on that piece of sporting equipment where you make contact with the ball in just the perfect spot that you... It results in a powerful, clean, flawless, beautiful shot. The sweet spot. In that same way, God has gifted all of us with a serving sweet spot. There is a place for all of us such that when we're serving God in that place and in the way that we were designed to serve God, that like time flies by as in an instant. We don't even notice time passing. When you're operating in your serving sweet spot, your emotions and your spirit just soar. When you're operating in your serving sweet spot, it might be incredibly difficult work, like blood, sweat, and tears kind of work. But your love of what you're doing transcends the sweat and transcends the effort that you're giving to it. When you operate in your serving sweet spot, you can say, just like Eric Little says in Chariots of Fire, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. When you're operating in your serving sweet spot, you have this immense sense of pleasing God because you know what you're doing. God made you to do. So how do we humbly learn what and where our serving sweet spot is? Well, in the year 2008, it's uh, with a GPS, of course. Absolutely, it's a GPS. Now this is my GPS, my global positioning system. It's a Magellan, it's a crossover GPS. You can use it on the streets. I use it all the time in Bozeman because it's such a hard town to get around in. And uh, not really. But you can also take it out like to the woods and use it out there and it'll help you get around. The trouble in the woods is that she doesn't tell you which way to go out in the woods. You've got to kind of know a little about that. 
Hey, you got one of these? Anyone have one of these? No? A few of you. Yeah, some of you out there. I bought this one last summer for a family trip that we were taking to Southern California. It saved our bacon. Like every single day, it saved our bacon because all we had to know was our destination address. And then you just punch that in here. You tell her which route you want to take, the most use of freeways, the least use of freeways, the fastest route or the slowest route. I don't know why that would be an option, but it is. You put that on your dash and her sweet, soothing voice just guides you flawlessly to your destination, right? I'll be in Portland in a couple of weeks and I've been to Portland three times in the last year and I have no idea where anything is in Portland, literally. I have no idea because she knows. I don't need to know because she knows. I just tell it where I need to go and I stay at Brandon's parents' place when I'm out there and if you dumped me out in Portland, gave me a car and said, find Brandon, I couldn't do it. There is not a chance I could do it. She just tells me, right where to go. It's great. This summer, Dan and I took our kids to LA with some friends of ours, and we drove like a thousand miles. Get your head around that. We drove a thousand miles all over Southern California in the course of a week, and she guided us without a hitch whatsoever. You just punch in the address, and she takes you right there. Now, this is a brilliant concept. From space, satellites beam down a signal to this little box. It tells me right where I am, and it leads me to my destination. No stopping for directions. No arguing with anybody in the passenger seat about the best or fastest way to get there. No criticism from that same person who might be sitting in the passenger seat because you missed a turn because you weren't paying attention. Just her calm, soothing voice that never gets rattled. Nothing rattles her. She's so sweet. (laughs) Well, GPS is great for navigating to an intended geographic location. More importantly, GPS for us represents the way that we can humbly learn what and where our serving sweet spot is. GPS actually points us to the specific reason that we were put here on planet Earth. See, for us to humbly learn what and where our serving sweet spot is, we've got to pay careful attention to this GPS that God, via his Holy Spirit, installed inside of all of us. Now, it isn't a global positioning system but rather it's our gifts, G, it's our passions, P, and it's our struggles, S. You can write those down. G, P, S, gifts, passions, and struggles. So let's talk about G first, gifts. Get this truth, that God has bestowed on every single person an incredible array of gifts. Nobody, and I mean nobody, was left out. Your unique abilities and your talents all originate in God. And if we ever hope to humbly learn what our serving sweet spot is, where our serving sweet spot is, then we've got to know what those gifts are that God's given us. Look at what Paul, the author of 1 Corinthians, says about gifts. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, you could condense all those words and just say spiritual gifts. Special abilities the Spirit gives us, spiritual gifts. I don't want you to misunderstand this, Paul says. God does not want there to be any misunderstanding when it comes to the gifts that he's given to us. Why? Because God wants and God expects us to operate right in our serving sweet spot. And Paul is saying, look, listen up, take note. Ignorance about this gift deal is no excuse whatsoever. Paul writes a little later in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, these words, do not neglect your gift, Paul commands. Now, what distinguishes the people who operate in their serving sweet spot and the people who don't is whether or not they are using their gifts. Paul directs us, look, just don't neglect your gifts. Why? Why? 
because we were made for a purpose. That purpose is serving God. And if we neglect the gift he gave us, we'll miss the very purpose for which we were created in the first place. See, look at 1 Peter 4.10 from the Bible as well. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. See, the gifts that God has given you, they're literally grace gifts. That means that some of the grace that God has bestowed upon you the moment that you step across the line of faith in Jesus Christ come in the form of spiritual gifts for the purpose of serving him. And we will be held accountable for our stewardship of those gifts. We will be held responsible for our stewardship of those gifts. God doesn't just give us those gifts so that we sit on them and hoard them and keep them for ourselves, just like God never gives us the financial resources he gives to us so that we hoard them for ourselves, trying to see how big a pile of it we can accrue. We are rather to wisely manage, as the text says, or steward our gifts in the same way that we are to wisely manage our finances. We ought to think about our gifts the very same way we think about our finances. How do you discover what gifts God has given to you? It starts by asking God, God, how did you specially gift me? God, would you please reveal your gifts to me? And I promise you, if you ask him that question, he will speak that to you. He'll tell you what your gifts are. I promise you. Ask yourself honestly, what am I good at? You have nothing to gain by trying to be something you're not. Just ask yourself the question, what do I do best? Ask yourself the question. Ask friends and family who are close to you and know you well. What do you see as my gifts from God? And they will tell you. Spend some time learning about spiritual gifts. Pastor Sam, who's our pastor of spiritual formation around here, he's been on staff with us for a couple of weeks now. He is especially gifted by God to help people find what their spiritual gifts are and then get about using them for the kingdom of God. It's part of the reason God put him on planet Earth. He is incredible at it. It's part of the reason we hired him. We needed that around this community. And so he's going to help us with that. You'll be hearing from him in a short time about a lab that he's going to be offering to help you find your spiritual gifts and then get about mobilizing those across the kingdom of God. Pay attention for that. The G in GPS is gifts. The P is for passion, right? Look at Romans 12, 11. Never be lacking in zeal. Paul says, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You see, God made you to serve him. He gifted you to serve him in your serving sweet spot. And then he puts this passion, this zeal, this spiritual fervor inside of you to help us humbly learn to serve him in just the right place. One way to think about it is like this. The gifts that God has given you is the engine of your service to God. Our spiritual gifts are the engine of our service to God, while the passion that God gives us is the fuel that keeps that engine going, running, operating. And passion is incredibly important because no one of us is capable of caring about everything on equal footing. There are things that I simply care about much more than other things. That never diminishes the importance of an issue or a concern. It just means that my heart is drawn towards certain involvement and not toward other involvement. For some people, their passion lies in the area of student ministry, for example. They believe to their toes that students are the most important age group on planet Earth to serve. And so they get about that with passion. Another person might certainly understand and appreciate the challenge of working with students, 
but their pulse and their respirations increase at the thought of serving homeless and under-resourced people in our society. Another person gets all amped up about sharing their faith, another about overseas evangelism, another about children's ministry, and I could go on and on. There are numerous people, numerous functions, and numerous causes that are all worthy of our time and of our best efforts. But we simply cannot be involved in all of them. Do not try it. That will not go well. We cannot be involved in all of them. And see, that doesn't make you a bad person because you're not involved in all of them. It's simply God's means and God's methods for involving many different people in the meeting of many different needs. And it's the passion that God puts inside of us that clarifies what it is that we care about. It reveals to us where we would like to see our life make the biggest difference possible. Now, sometimes you've heard people interchange the word passion with some other words, words like burden, for example. You hear somebody talk about a burden they have for the students on the MSU campus, for example. That's just another word for passion, burden is. Sometimes you heard people refer to their passion as like a call that they receive. God called me to go to Africa and share my faith with people who are living far from God on the continent of Africa. That's passion. That's what they're talking about. Sometimes it's a dream that people have. Sometimes it's a vision that God's let us glimpse. That all refers to passion, whatever you want to call it. Passion is the God-given desire of the heart to make a difference somewhere. Late in 2003, God began to grip my heart and my wife's heart in such a way that we could not shake off the thought of the plight of the people in the Gallatin Valley who were living life far from God. Now, we didn't even live here at the time. We lived in Billings. But we were very prayerful about the Gallatin Valley and about people here who were living far from God. And slowly, see, over time, God used those prayers in our lives as his divine magnet to attract and to draw our hearts and our passion toward the cause of planting this church called Journey Church in the Gallatin Valley for the purpose of reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Jesus Christ. About that same period of time, God also began to grip and impassion some other people's hearts For the very same purpose, some of those people were in Billings. Some of those people were all the way in Alaska. Some of those people quit their jobs and left their lives behind to move to Bozeman to bring that passion to fruition. Some of those people were already right here in Bozeman. God began to marshal them around bringing that passion into reality as well. And in a couple of weeks, the very first weekend in October, Journey Church will turn three years old. It's hard to believe. Journey's going to be three years old Already, it's astounding that three years could go by like that. And today, almost three years in, I'm living in what I consider to be my serving sweet spot, and so are a whole bunch more of you around this place, around this community. And I want you to know that I am more passionate than ever about doing just what God has invited me and just what God has invited our church to be about, which is reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to this. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to do this until my dying day. I'll give my guts to that cause, to that passion. And that's what God does with passion. That's his design. It's God's intent. Please pay very careful attention to the passions that God has put inside of you for serving him and serving people. They matter. They're from him. Those are hardwired into all of us so that we will serve him right in our serving sweet spot. Now, there's this little thing about gifts and passions that I got to clear up. Very often, lots of Christ followers have this misconception in their head 
that if God has given them gifts to do something, and that if they're passionate about doing that thing, well, then there's something wrong. See, somebody has told them along the way that they'd better be about rethinking their gifts and rethinking their passions because that's probably not what God really wants them to do. Somebody along the way has let them in on a little secret that God sits in heaven and he sucks on lemons all day long and that he wants us to do the very same thing. God wants us to prove to him every single day how much we love him and how much we're willing to sacrifice for him by giving up your gifts, by giving up your talents, by giving up your passions, and by going and doing something that you absolutely hate. Something that you find difficult, something that you find boring, uninspiring, something you find tedious. But please hear me clearly, that is absolutely ridiculous. It's a theological term, ridiculous. God gave you the gifts that he gave you because he wants you to leverage those gifts for his kingdom. God gave you the passions that he gave you so that you would leverage them for his kingdom, for his service. And so maybe you sit here today in a chair and you have some gift or you have some passion that you buried a long, long time ago. Maybe somebody told you, like, you gotta get a real job. You gotta let go of that. Get yourself a real job. And so you just stuffed it away and you got a job. Or maybe somebody told you along the way that serving God should never be that fun, never be that pleasurable, never be that enjoyable. And so you stuffed it away and you said, well, it must be something else. But I want you to hear very clearly today, please. Do not give those up. Dig them out. Uncover them. Dust them off. Do not give those up. Hear God saying very clearly to you today, I put those inside of you. Those are mine. Those are my gifts to you. Do not leave them sitting, getting dusty on a shelf. Hear God say to you today, it is never too late for you to become who I made you to become for the purpose that I made you for. Hear God say that to you today. Because see, when you pursue the passions that God has put inside of you, God absolutely loves it because you're fulfilling the very purpose that he put you on planet earth for. G is for the gifts God's given us. P is for the passions that he's put inside of us that give fuel to those gifts. And the S is for struggles. The S is for struggles. And see, our struggles help us humbly learn what and where our serving sweet spot is. They really do. It sounds funny that our struggles would have a role to play in us operating and serving in our serving sweet spot, but it's absolutely true. Because see, God allows us to endure struggles and God allows us to endure hardship and God allows us to endure difficulty and challenge because it's only in the crucible of that hard, difficult, challenging, struggling stuff that we learn to depend and rely on him entirely. Because see, we're all gifted people and we're all impassioned people. And so it's very possible for us just to operate in our gifts and in our passions, yet independent of God, out from underneath his covering of blessing and so on, right? But when we do that, when we operate in our gifts and in our passion areas apart from God, what's the Bible say that we can do apart from God? Nothing. That is exactly right. We can do absolutely nothing because we are human beings and we are finite and we are limited in what we can accomplish. Anything we do out from underneath the covering of God's blessing and protection and so on, operating in our gifts, is not eternal. It will not stand the test of time. 
It's only when we're relying on God for the results of what we're doing that we can expect anything lasting, anything eternal to come about. And see, it's in the crucible of the struggle that we learn to depend on God more and more. And we learn humbly that we cannot serve him in any lasting way without the power and without the strength that only he can provide to us. If we never had to endure struggle, if we never had to endure hardship or pain, we'd be very inclined just to go like, I got this down. I can handle this. I can do this all on my own. And we would miss out on knowing what it is like to experience God's power and God's abiding presence in our lives. Our struggles, they help us learn to rely on him. Our struggles also help us see other things that God wants us to do for him and find in even higher definition our serving sweet spot. God is so infinitely creative that he even leverages our wounds both to make us stronger as well as to serve others. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.4. This is Paul writing about God and what he does. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. We've been blessed to be a blessing. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given to us. God allows the struggles in our lives so that we can come alongside others and serve them and help them. And sometimes we're real embarrassed about the struggles that we live with, right? We go like, ah, I could never tell anyone about that because it's way too dark and it's way too intimate and I, and I could never let anybody in on that secret. But see, it's often those very things that God wants to use our deepest, darkest struggle to make a difference in other people's lives. And if we'll just be honest about them, if we'll just admit them, share them with someone else who is experiencing the precise same thing that we are, it's then that God takes our pain, it's then when God takes our heartache, it's then when God takes the struggle and he actually leverages them for somebody else's benefit. It's a beautiful thing. Our struggles help us clarify in the highest of definition exactly what our serving sweet spot is. God puts his own divine GPS system inside of every one of us because he created us to serve him. That is the very reason we're on the planet. And your greatest pleasure in this life, I promise, your greatest pleasure in this life will come when you are serving others when you're being led by the gifts God's given you and when you're being fueled by the passions that he's put inside of you, when you're allowing God to honestly use your struggles to help bring comfort to other people's people. And I don't know about you, but if I knew I had just one month to live, I'd wanna be about all of that as much as I possibly could because I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to make a splash, a, a ripple, a, a wave, whatever you wanna call it. Set your journal aside, if you would, and just grab that little sheet of paper that was on your chair when you came in today, if you would. It was about 35 years ago that a college professor was finishing up a class session in which he had taught about a whole bunch of the things that we talked about here today, how we were made to serve God and how God gifted us specifically with these grace gifts and how he impassioned us specifically so that we could and would operate within our serving sweet spot. And that college professor went on to challenge his class to be about discovering their spiritual gifts, get about using them. He exhorted them to let their God-given passion help guide them to a specific cause for which they could give their lives to. But he concluded his teaching with this significant challenge. 
He said, as important as it is for we who follow Jesus Christ to operate in our serving sweet spot, to know our spiritual gifts and to let those be fueled by our passions, focused intently on what it is that God specifically made us for. The bigger picture, he said, is that God made us to serve him by serving people, period. God just simply made us to serve him by serving people. And every single day, God puts serving opportunities right smack in front of us and gives us a chance to take him up on it. They're like assignments from God to us. Some of them, yes, they're in our serving sweet spot, and so it's like, yeah, of course I can do that. Others, it's just a chance to do good by serving God, by serving people, see. And sometimes we see those serving opportunities and we take them. Sometimes we blow right by them as if they weren't even there. And that professor went on to say to his class, try this experiment. He invited them to a test, an experiment. He said, I invite you to take every opportunity to serve people, no matter how big or how small, for a period of one week, one month, or six months. They got to choose that day. When an opportunity to serve God by serving someone else is in front of you, you just take it. You don't ask any questions. You just act. You just get about it. That professor asked his class to periodically evaluate how that was going and what opportunities they had missed throughout that day. And that day, that class let him know that they were taking him up on that challenge in the time frame that he provided. And 35 years later, I want to offer to you today, to this community called Journey Church, that very same challenge. Now see, I care incredibly deeply about all of us around here operating right in our serving sweet spot. It matters deeply to me because I think it matters deeply to God. But I am also convinced and convicted that we were created by God just to serve him by serving people. And that a whole bunch of the time, maybe even most of the time, that service to God is spontaneous and unscripted. It is not planned. It's just there, dropped right in our laps very often as we're going about our lives. And that's why I'm inviting you today to take that same challenge, to take the what I was made for challenge. You were made to serve God. And so for the next week, for the next month, for the next six months, you get to choose the time frame Will you commit just to serve God by serving people as you're going about your life, no matter how big, no matter how small it is? Just do it. Just act. Consider an assignment from God to you, and you're just going to get about it. And use that sheet to tell us about it. You pick the time frame. No pressure on that. Six months is sure cool, but a week is great as well. Just get about it, please. And let us know your email address. This is totally anonymous, but give us your email address because we just want to check in with you and see how that was going. You can drop that sheet into the offering bag when it goes by in a few minutes, or you can hand it to an usher on your way out. And as I think about this challenge, I think about that last weekend around our church, there was about a thousand adults in our worship services around here. And can you imagine with me for a moment what the impact on this valley and this community would be if about a thousand of us poured out of those doors at the end of this weekend with that commitment just to fulfill the purpose that we were put on this planet for, to serve God by serving people. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, if it's there, we're just gonna do it. Yes, God, got the assignment, I'm on it. When God puts a serving opportunity in front of us, we're just gonna take it. I just want you to imagine with me for a moment the lives that would be touched and the transformation that would begin to unfold just one serving opportunity at a time. Take the challenge, would you? 
take the challenge because if you knew that you had just one month to live, you would want your life to make the biggest difference possible. And that starts in real small ways, doesn't it? Just one serving opportunity at a time. Take your stuff and set it aside, if you would, please, and just go to prayer. I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and just speak to the Lord about what it is you're thinking about. Just tell God what's on your heart and your mind. I'm just going to ask that you would stay in a posture of prayer for the next few moments, transacting whatever business you need to do with God. And maybe you're here today and you have yet to receive God's very first grace gift to you. You have yet to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. If that's you, The invitation to you today is to take Jesus up on that offer of life and salvation that he's extending to you right here and right now. You can settle that deal once and for all today by acknowledging that Jesus loves you immeasurably, that he died on the cross to be your savior, to be the rescuer of your soul. You can choose in this moment to put your faith and trust in him as your savior by the blood he shed on the cross for you. And if that's you, if you're choosing to do that today, I just invite you to express that to God. Just tell that to God. You can do that through a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you so much for sending your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for me to have a relationship with you. God, I know that I've sinned. But God, today I realize that you are perfect and that you are holy and that my sin has separated me from you. God, I believe with everything in me that Jesus died on the cross for that sin and I ask you to please forgive me and please send Jesus to live inside of me. God, I'm asking you to be my friend today. God, I'm asking you to change me today. God, I'm asking you to clean me up today. God, I'm asking you to transform my heart today and make me all about living a life of serving you by serving people. And if you prayed with me just then to give your life to Jesus Christ, that's the biggest decision of your whole life. Nothing matters more. Nothing carries more weight. It's such a big deal that around here we actually ask people to tell us when they've made that decision. It's kind of a stake in the ground moment, you know? And so if you prayed with me just then, would you be so bold as to slip your hand up and make eye contact with me? I want you to know nobody's looking around and nobody's going to embarrass you in any way. Just let me know. I, I, yeah, way to go, man. God's changing you right now. You're brand new right now. And you too back there, right now, God is changing you. Your life will never be the same. It's a new day for you. There be any others. I don't want to miss anybody. God, we're utterly astounded that you've made us for such a purpose as serving you by serving people. That we get to participate in your work is overwhelming to us. But because it's our purpose, God, we want to be about it intensely and passionately and 
with your very fervor, God. So compel us to be your servants. Compel us to serve your people, God. We want to be your hands and feet right here on the planet. We don't want to waste any time. So help us find our serving sweet spot, God. And help us get about that thing. But help us not get too hung up on that. Let's just be about serving. God, would you please make that a hallmark of this community called Journey, please? That we're your servants, that we're available. And God, that you would use us to bring transformation to our valley, transformation to our community, to our schools, to our homes, to our places of work. What a privilege, God. We love you. We worship you. Our lives are all yours. We're your servants, God. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and the church said together, amen.